Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest found success in media, but it came at a cost, but it all changed when he met Jesus. We're joined today by Rudy Kalis. He's a former sportscaster and sports director from the U.S. He immigrated there and lived through decades of cultural language and educational challenges. And today he's going to share with us how he overcame all of those barriers to become the person that he is today. He's also going to talk about a new book that he's featured in. It's a book called I Found Love, True Stories of Discovering Love, Belonging, and Friendship. This was put together by I Am Second. We're going to hear all of that and so much more today on Connections. Our guest today is Rudy Kalis. He is a former sportscaster and sports director from the U.S. He's now featured in a book from I Am Second called I Found Love, True Stories of Discovering Love, Belonging, and Friendship. Um, tell right. us a little bit about yourself um, <laughs> growing up. What? Growing up, growing up. You know, I, I grew up, uh, well, I was born in Germany. You know, my parents, my father was in the Russian army. My mother was a school teacher in the Ukraine and the Soviet Union. And during World War II, my father was captured by the German army. My mother was kidnapped out of a school building. She was a teacher because she could speak German. They used them both as interpreters. And, you know, and so when the, when the German army retreated, they were dragged back with them and uh, they were uh, met each other. In, uh, in the southern part of Germany, thankfully in the American sector, in, in a basically kind of a refugee camp area. And that's where they were born, where they, uh, where they live and where I was born. Wow. And, uh, in 1952, I'm, uh, I'll be 74 in April, but in 1952, when I was five years old, somehow they made the decision to go to the land of milk and honey. And a, a mission church, Lutheran mission church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, sponsored us. And we got on a ship in Bremerhaven, Germany and came across the ocean. Uh, to me, it was like an adventure. I remember the smell of the steel of that ship and the biggest thing I'd ever seen. I'm five years old. We went through a storm and, and huge waves crashed. And I remember cruising into New York Harbor on June 10th, 1952, seeing the Statue of Liberty, had no idea what it was. It was a sunny day. People lined up on the deck and my father uh, told me years later, they said, I, I had tears in my eyes because I'm looking at the skyline saying, how in the world? I've never seen anything this big. And how am I going to provide for my country, my my family, because I can't speak English? So the government issued us each $14. We had a wooden trunk that I still have here with all the clothes. My mom, my dad, my sister and I, train tickets that got us to Milwaukee. And uh, that's where we went. I remember going to school, uh, St. Marcus. It was a Lutheran church that sponsored us. And I went to the little school there, kindergarten. I remember coming home uh, several days, coming home crying every day because I thought the kids at school were laughing at this dumb little foreign kid who doesn't know how to talk English. So, uh, you know, one of my favorite Proverbs is 16.9. It says, in our hearts, we plan our way in life, but the Lord directs our steps. Uh, But you don't realize it, but... We're all a product of those things. I, you know, I have, the, I have an immigrant's mentality. Uh, I spent all my life in sports, but uh, you know, it, it all started with my parents. My dad couldn't care less about football. First football game he ever saw was a Packers on a black and white TV. He turned to me once and he said, they're killing themselves over one ball. Why don't you send them home? So, so I never looked, I, I, I always kind of looked at the work that I did in a maybe slightly different way. I, I always tell people we're a product of the shadows in our past and hmm. my folks and my upbringing and your upbringing uh, has kind of many ways kind of dictated the people that we are. 
Well, and the, your journey, it would eventually, it led you to the military, and then you went from the military into sports broadcasting. How did that shift happen? <laughs> well, I, I wasn't exactly a, a rocket scientist. I was, I'm was i a right brain <laughs> kid. If I was in school now, you'd be pumping me with Ritalin, because I, I mean, I'd be... <laughs> I'd be spaced out looking out the windows. Uh, I got out of high school and uh, tried. I, my grades weren't good enough. So I tried a technical school. And after one year, I had a 0.94 grade point average. I cut 74 classes and had a draft notice. I, I hustled pool at the YMCA across the street from the school. So, <laughs> so I enlisted in the Air Force because I love airplanes. Spent four years as military police. Came out of there. And I said, I'll never be good enough to be a professional athlete, but I've got the GI Bill. I begged the local university there in Milwaukee. Uh, they, they took me on final probation. And I, and I said, I, 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 you know, I took a radio production course and I found out there was a little ham inside and I just loved it. And I went to classes all year round. I finished four years and three and a half years in broadcasting. And, and I said, that's what I want to do. Uh, I, I want to be able to do it work, work in that. Eventually got a job. You guys remember, you know, when you remember when you're trying to get your first job, I got, I made a montage out of the rejection letterheads from all the television <laughs> stations that said, thanks, but no thanks. We don't have a job. And a news director up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, invited me to come up to be an assistant producer. He, he said to me, you know, you don't, I don't have an on-air position. You want this job? And I said, yes, sir. So I tell kids nowadays, if somebody offers you a job, take it. Yeah. Show them that you can be there and you can be counted on. And so I went up there and I took the job and weaseled my way into doing uh, some sports after a while. And and uh, all of a sudden I was, you know, hopefully off and running a little bit. What's throughout your career? What would you say is the best part of your sports casting career? I, I just, you know, I, I I never called myself really a sports journalist. You know, everything is a you, you look at everything through your own eyes. You know, I was there in Green Bay for, for about a year and a half. And the sports director quit. Uh, and I thought, here you go. Hi, you know, hey, can I, I'm making $8,000 a year. I said, if I ever make $20,000 a year, I'm going to retire. I mean, just, you know, that's, that's all I need. And, and they hired consultants, which you guys understand and know about, to watch. And I became a candidate. And I did it for about a month, every single day. I thought it's my chance. And they came in one day and said to me, uh, Rudy, you ought to think about getting out of broadcasting because you're just, I, I don't know, you're just not aggressive enough on the air and what you're doing. I go, boom, you just, you know, I think we spend our lives either trying to prove somebody right or prove somebody wrong. It's the things we say to people, the coaches, the parents without knowing it, tell you, you'll never amount to anything. You know, you guys can think about your lives. And I didn't want to quit. So you find out. And I sent resumes all over the place. And one of them was to Green Bay. I was here to Nashville. And I'll be if they hired me, didn't hire me. You know, I'd never been down south. I, I came down here. They hired me over the phone. I, I thought folks didn't wear shoes down here. I said, I'm going <laughs> to stay in this one horse town for a year. And 45 years later, I'm still here. The joy for me is, is just being there. I, and, and all of my years of reporting, I think it was just the idea of I, I, it's not I don't want to stand in front of a camera. So here I am reporting on this camera. I wanted to tell people, look. You know, I, I know you're not able to be here, but let me let you feel what it's like. I know what the agony of defeat is like. And so I love talking to athletes. I love talking to players. I love watching them under pressure. I love conveying the struggles in sports to the struggles in life. Because what you guys know, we broadcast. We don't narrow cast. Narrow cast is, is ESPN. It's all, hey, cliches and sports and all that sort of stuff. 
but at the local television station, half the people couldn't care less. So I have to try to do it in a way that they can find it interesting and watch and if I and get some enjoyment out of it. And I think I've tried to do that for all my years. And for whatever reason, it, uh, it worked fairly well. Now, you're part of a new project from I Am Second. Part of your story in that project, though, is about maybe some of the negative things that came out of you as you were looking to build your career. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Well, it's always, it goes back to, you know, what I told you about that. Uh, uh, it's it's what people say, trying to prove people right and wrong. You know, uh, I, I come, to, I came to Nashville and I was here for four years uh, and then now I'm on television. You know, your head swells a little bit. Somebody sees you outside, say, hey, aren't you on television? Nice of you to meet me. You know, you're, you <laughs> kind of get full of yourself a little bit. You think you're somebody. Well, the sports director quit four years in and I'm 31 years old. And I thought, all right, if I'll be in the, I'm, if I'm in the right place at the right time, the right job, I, you know, it's going to be mine. I, I tell people I'd be the best old boy you ever been around in your whole life if I could suck up to you and be, and you know, and, and move move up the ladder. But I might talk about you behind your back, but it doesn't work that way. And again, just like Green Bay, boom, big broad consultants in, and they didn't hire me a sports. I'm crushed. To me, it's just every seems like all my life I wasn't good enough. I just I can't. I keep stumbling and making mistakes. Well, God uses those things. And I'm driving on the road one day and I'm pounding the steering wheel of my car. They hired another guy and I'm saying, God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Lord, help me. And three days later, I'm, uh, I played basketball at, uh, at noon at a Y over here. And I, I stop at a place to get something. This man walks over to me and sits, a black man in a room full of white people. He doesn't know me from Adam. He's not from Nashville. And he sits down and he says, you all right? You look like something's troubling you. And I said, no, 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 he looks like, and we spent an hour and a half talking and he reminds me of a God who loves me and Jesus Christ who had died for me. And, and he calls me the next day and he calls me the next day. And on October 10th, 1978, at a window seat at an outtown restaurant in Nashville, he said, would you like to pray and have him be the Lord of your life? And I said, I sure do. And he did. And I didn't walk out of there with a halo around my head. I, I walked out of there saying, I'm not sure I know what happened, but it, Lord, if you're there, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a journalist to an extent and you're going to have to show yourself. And, and he began to change me. I began to look into other people's eyes. I began to realize that the spirit with which I do my work on television, you know, you guys know, nowadays to be cynical, to be negative, to be critical, to be in your face. If I can shout louder than you, I'm smarter than you are. And that's, that's just bull. That's not the way God works. And so all of a sudden, God began to change me in that way. And, you know, and uh, he's got a sense of humor. Uh, God does. I tell people because um, uh, he said, I, that boy's still a little cocky. I believe I'll snatch the hair off his head. And uh, I know, <laughs> just not another pretty face. And I spent all these years, you know, and even there, you know, it's about 15 years ago, in 2004, uh, we got a new management over all of the television stations, the 10 stations that are part of this company group that owned us. And the guy who was in charge of all of them didn't like me. Uh, didn't like the way I did sports after 30 years of being in Nashville. And he wanted to get rid of me. And uh, they said, you're, you're going to be gone at the end of uh, January. And I'm like, God, Lord. And now do I complain? Do I argue? Do I go out and tell him? Age discrimination. What are you doing? And the newspaper got a hold of it and approached me. And, uh, and, I, and I said, well, I've been preaching faith for 25 years. I get a chance to put up or shut up. 
And Proverbs 25, 15 says, by long patience, a boss is persuaded and a gentle tongue stops a quarrel. And I said, I don't know if I'm the biggest fool in the world or if I've got more guts, but I'm not going to quit and I'm going to do what is in front of me. They cut my salary by a third. They took my title of sports director away and told me I'd be gone. And I just stayed. And after the first of the year, I was still there and I was still there. And all of a sudden, a month or so later, he got fired. And it was like God said, no, if I want you there, nobody's going to take you away. And, and, and when I retired from the television station at the end of 2017, after 43 years, they had quite a celebration. People were kind. And a man said to me, a reporter said, how do you work somewhere for 43 years? And I said, you swallow your pride. And only God can help us do that in our lives. And I think you guys know you've been at it long enough. Some of the things that maybe I've said resonate with your lives, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Did you find it challenging uh, in your career to be a Christian in, in the secular world? Um, as I, the more, the longer I worked in this business, the more my life was diametrically opposed to what's considered successful to be, you know, braggadocious, to be full of yourself. But I did find out that you, that, uh, uh, that enthusiasm covers all, so covers so many things. You can be energetic about what you do. I could ask tough questions without demeaning people. I could do my work in a way. Now, sometimes I remember a coach called me one time about 530 and said, uh, listen, Rudy, I, I'm just letting you know because you're a dear friend. I'm going to resign. I want to meet with the team. I said, well, good Lord. It's, you know, it muses at six. I got to let people know. And he said, no, do me a favor. Don't don't say anything yet because I'm meeting with the team at 630. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> All but right. Got a scoop. Well, well, well yeah, I got a scoop. And here we go on at six o'clock in another station in town. The guy says, we have just learned from sources that so-and-so is. We, and I'm going, Lord, I'm getting my butt kicked. But I'll tell you what, God turned that around. And the blessings that came through this man, other places that he went. And, stuff, and he's never let me fall, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we get these choices all our lives as to whether or not to to just spread rumors and all these things that we can do, but you do it God's way. And I think there's a different light that shines from you. You can absolutely do what, what you need to do with enthusiasm, with honesty, with integrity. And I think people can accept it. There's so much stuff out there. Now you guys know there's so many people looking for that edge and that angle and all that, that being real is almost novel nowadays. And that's the way God wants us to be. So I, I'm convinced you can do it. Um, you have retired, obviously, like you said. Yeah. But you've moved on to something quite interesting now that you're doing. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you're involved in prison ministry. I, I am indeed. Because as I was retiring, and I said I was going to retire, because I was healthy, could still do it and all that. People, what are you going to do? Well, I don't know. Well, I can't, I'm not going to play golf all the time. My favorite verse in the Bible is Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good deeds that he's prepared ahead of time for us to do. And I said, I don't know, Lord, but you'll show me. A month after I retired, I have a speaking engagement. And a man walks up to me, he says, hello. And he had been an intern of mine 25 years ago. And I said, hey, why are you doing? And he said, what are you doing? He said, I work with an organization called Men of Valor. It's a faith-based prison ministry. And I said, man, I want to do that. Because I'd done stories in prison. I'd done documentaries in there. I'd been in there from time to time. I said, I want to do that. And so they, they connect me with a man who goes into uh, here in Nashville. It's called Riverbend Maximum Security Prison. It's got the only death row uh, in the state of Tennessee. 
And the minute I walked in, I said, this is it. These are my guys. For some reason, I've got some street cred. I walk around in there. And, you know, they're like, hey, Rudy, how you doing? You know, man, where's your helicopter? Because I would fly to high school football in a helicopter. We get five of us on that thing. So all of a sudden, I got some street cred. And I met guys who said, man, you covered me when I was playing ball in high school and in college. And yet at the same time after that, so I had stories. They could connect with who I was, but we talked about faith. And, and it's just amazing because I'd say to them, what are you doing in here? And he said, well, five minutes of stupid or drugs or, or anger. And I'm here in prison. And the Bible tells us to connect with them. I just love it. And they're cons. They can tell you. They watch your body language. I, I go into, into gang units. I mean, I've got Crips and Bloods and Aryans and Vice Lords and guys that they push and they shove you. And they want to see if they can drive you out of there just to see if you've got the guts to come back in. And I love it. And I realized all the years that I was in broadcast, all the years that I was with tough coaches and I anchored news for a while at the last two years, all the tough politicians, every tough star I was in just got me ready for this. And they couldn't chase me away. And I just love it. And then they asked me to go into death row. And so we did the Sunday night Bible study on death row. And I've been a spiritual advisor to men. I've spoken to the governor on behalf of a man who was executed, a redeemed man of God. And uh, they still executed him. And it just tears your heart out. But it's it's I realized that I spent 45 years in broadcasting just to prepare me for this, the greater work that God has got me doing. And that's, I'll do it until the day I die. That's so cool. And right, like you said, at the very start of the interview, every step is just you look back now and see how it's prepared you for the next one. Always. What a great reminder for all of us. You, you're so right. You're so right, Mike, because I, I look back and I say, I, and I think 95% of the time, the decisions I made have been stupid I, or just, dumb. <laughs> I, I don't get it. But I look at the wake behind my boat and I see just where God showed me. I mean, he, as we see down south, he took the starch out of my britches, britches a long time ago. And so he just, he weans you, he shapes you, he molds you. He, he takes that ego and that pride out of you. So you can be somebody that people can want to connect with and want to be around. And then, you know, I, I'm a, I think I'm a better man because of prison, because I'm determined to live up to what I tell these guys to live up to. There's one guy that I've mentored. He got out seven months ago and he and I talk every single day. He played, he played major college football. It was a connection for us. But every single morning when he's driving to work at 630, he's going to be a part of my life again for the rest of my life. But that's how God can use you. you know. But he's got to humble us first. What does the Bible say? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Hardest thing for me was, you know, you guys know they're great athletes and they just can't seem to retire. They don't know what to do after that. And I said, Lord, how am I going to be if I'm no longer in the limelight? Will it be, will my ego be bothered, you know, on television in front of a, a half a million people every single night? And, all that? and no. And God said, you're going to be faithful to that. And, I'm, and I'm, if it's only these guys, that's fine with me for the rest of my life. I, I, for the rest of my life, I want to be an encouragement to people and lift them up and say good things to make them feel better about who they are and study people and say kind words. And, and, and that's a, such a joy. Now, with you being featured in this new book, uh, I Found Love, what was that like to be one of the stories featured in there? <laughs> I, well, I couldn't believe, you know, I'm, I'm like a medium-sized fish in a, me- in a small pond. I, there's some powerful people and some wonderful people in there. But 
for whatever reason they asked. And so maybe the good Lord intended for that to be. Uh, so it is a joy to be a part of it. It's a wonderful book and a powerful organization. I have dear friends who are other seconds, as we call each other. And I think the beauty is that it's, that it's non-denominational. It just talks about people in their faith walk. And, and it's like we've talked. You guys are kind enough to call for us to chat a little bit. It is, it is just, it, I think God wants us to get it right in our own hearts. Who are we? And then he said, now get on out there and be used by me and I'll open the door. When they approach me, I said, for we are, you know, Ephesians 2.10 right there. I don't push for anything. I don't ask for anything. Things come to me that God wants me to do. And that's a joyful way to live in my life. Love it. Can't re- wait to read this story in the book, Rudy. And we should have asked you the most important Canadian question at the start. You're not, <laughs> you're not a Predators fan, are you? Uh, yeah, I'm afraid I am. I, <laughs> you know, I do like them. And that's the thing I enjoy the most. And you know what, with, with you guys having the Jets, the most enjoyable guys that I got to work with, I've been in NFL locker rooms and Major League Baseball and, and NBA, uh, hockey guys are the best. Because for me, they grew up on, on buses, on the back roads, in the snow, yeah. and they're 13 and 14. And, and the Eagles are so much less. They're so open to conversation. You know, Pecorini of the, of the Predators, the great goalie, the first time I went to interview, he, he moved his equipment out of the way and said, thank you very much, and it's good to see you, Rudy. And how he was the most polite guy in the world. I love hockey guys, and that includes your guys. So you're in a wonderful area with a wonderful team and a great sport, and you've got that great snow up there. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rudy, for talking with us. A real treat to hear a bit of your story. Well, just a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So, Colleen and Mike, you're very, very kind. I wish you all the best in the work that you're doing. Don't forget, you can find the podcast at podcastville.ca. Subscribe to the podcast. All the links for your favorite apps are there. Again, podcastville.ca. It really helps us out. And you'll hear bonus material that's not heard on the radio shows. We'll talk to you again on Connections.